0: Welcome back to the Someone to Tell To podcast. We don't do this often, but we're grateful to have a former guest on the program today. It's actually one of Someone to Tell To's current board members, Anthony Johnson. And uh, we have had him on the program before, and we've also been guests on his podcast. But every time we're around him, he just exudes vulnerability and openness. He creates a safe space. I mean, so many things that we try to teach through our training, our Compassionate Listening training, he embodies and it just makes it quite natural for us to have a, just a real conversation about life. And even in this conversation today, it just goes to places we definitely didn't anticipate it going, but those are always the best conversations. So let's just tell you a little bit about who Anthony is. Anthony Johnson has a passion for helping people. Based on his military experience, parenting two children, coaching, as well as his many life experiences, he helps others overcome their challenges by facing fears expressing vulnerability, learning and leaning into discomfort, and practicing discipline. He says, my goal is to continue to grow personally while helping as many people as I can thrive along the way. Anthony has a new book out which will guide our conversation called It's Not About You. We hope you'll enjoy our conversation today.
1: We use Buzzsprout to create this podcast, and as a small nonprofit team, we really appreciate how easy they make it to get our guests' stories out into the world. With Buzzsprout, you get a beautiful podcast website, audio players to embed into other sites, detailed analytics, tools to promote your episodes, and so much more. Use the link in the show notes to get a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up for a paid plan and to support our show.
0: As the co-founders of Someone To Tell To, we often find ourselves traveling around between meetings and listening sessions, and we often don't really have time for the little things like grocery shopping.
1: I'm sure many of you have had that experience when at the end of a long workday, you'd rather do anything else than shop for groceries.
0: That's why we're happy to give our listeners the chance to get free delivery on your first Instacart order over $35. You'll get the products you love from your local stores in as fast as one hour.
1: There's nothing quite like sitting down at the end of the day to be present for your family over a home cooked meal and takeout just doesn't feel the same. So if you find yourself needing groceries and considering getting takeout instead, get hand selected products delivered straight to your door. Get free shipping on orders over $35 by using the link in the show notes.
0: Well, Anthony, so good to have you back on the program today with us on the Someone to Tell You" To podcast.
2: Oh, man. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited for the conversation.
0: Well, how about this for our listeners who didn't get to listen to our conversation with you several years ago on the Someone to Tell You" To podcast? How about you just catch us up on what you've been up to and and just a little bit more background about yourself so that we know you?
2: Okay. So... I mean my most recent endeavor I just finished my uh, I just published my first book, uh, my first co-parenting book. I got it right here, it's called It's Not About You. Um, you know, what I what I would say are my 10 principles for a strong co-parenting foundation. And I've rebranded since the last time we spoke and just, you know, going into the co-parenting realm wanting to help people there. And I still do leadership training and consulting and things like that, but I really want to help parents uh particularly people who co-parent deal with the the stress that comes along with that and not only distress the things that people may not normally think about when you think about co-parenting and which is like the personal growth and development piece since that's like that's like my my thing right like I'm very big on personal growth and development and I think that's a big thing when it comes to co-parenting is people don't know how they're getting in their own way so let me help you navigate those those murky waters <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's kind of you know what I've been working on for the most part and just growing you know working on growing my business getting into this get getting into my swing of what entrepreneurship really is and I'm like in a thick of it right now
1: <laughs> well we want to congratulate you on the book we're really proud of you as authors ourselves we know how hard writing a book can be we know what it takes to get it to uh, fruition to get it published and to get it out there and then what it takes to sell it and you know it, it you know be, have people become aware of it so we know it's it's not always an easy an easy job and we congratulate you for for doing it for sticking with it for for getting to this place and we hope that this conversation today can help to sell some books for you thank so, you absolutely. so that, absolutely nice. absolutely <laughs> so we want we just want to ask you what What compelled you, what inspired you to write this book about this topic?
2: So I knew I wanted to be an author, right? That was one of the things that I wanted to check off my list, right? Things that I want to accomplish in my life. And the dilemma was, what was I going to, what was my first book going to be about? And before I rebranded, got to this co-parenting thing, I was like, people were telling me your your first book, because people that know my story and they know me and the things that I've been through, um, I have a crazy, just like life story. And he's like, man, it should be about your life, man. Your first book should be about your life, things you've been through, lessons you've learned through that. And I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. And then when I got into this co-parenting realm, I was like, this is what I want to write about first. Like, I don't want my first book, I didn't want it to be about me. I wanted it to, it's crazy that my book is called It's Not About You, but I didn't want it to be about me. I wanted it to be something that was really going to help people in an area that I think a lot of people are struggling with and that is underserved. Um, an underserved niche. So I was like, and even when I was doing things like I, I tell people all the time, when I do leadership training and and workshops, I always talk about being a father um, when I'm talking about leadership, because it's like my most important leadership role. And so it, it just fits. It just worked for me. Like, let me write a book about this and then foundational principles, and then we can figure out how to go deeper. And then I can figure out what the next book could be about and whenever I'm going to write about me, you know?
0: Could you take our listeners back to some of the things that have happened just since you were on the program last? I mean, I I think it's been a a few years now and you've been, first off, you've been married. I remember you told the story about meeting your wife in a, in a bar, I think, and, and the (laughs) vulnerability that you guys had together uh, from, from the outset. Uh, But then there's been a lot of other significant life, life changes and transformation that's occurred uh, both in your professional life but also in your personal life, I mean, and then also, I think there's been a shooting in in the city that you grew up in in Buffalo, New York. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other things I know that have really happened that have have shaped shaped you
2: so many things happen, man, just like there was people that that mass shooting at a supermarket in, in, in buffalo that was that was crazy There was you know because I had never experience like you hear about it on the news all the time when it happens but it's never you can you can sympathize with people you can try to empathize but you don't you know and you can be sad about it but you don't really at least for me right i can only speak for myself you don't really it doesn't you don't feel it as much until it hits like literally hits home and like you people you know personally are affected and you know so that's always like a big it makes you it just puts things into perspective it's one of those things um that you know as you know you know you all know about entrepreneurship and it's like going after things that you want to do it's one of those things that puts life back in perspective of like am i living my life to the fullest each day am i you know am i am i doing things the way that i want to do it um am i living authentically uh because i don't know how i don't know when my time is up and and yeah you know I just and even in situations that's in my life my my entrepreneurship journey my my marriage am i am I being intentional in my marriage each day am i am i pouring into that um am i am I being the best husband i can be you know this is my first this is my first go at it right i just my first marriage like you know i'm at age thirty nine and am i am i missing opportunities to show my wife that I love her and to show her that she's appreciated and and you know just like just things like that, you know, not letting silly arguments or anything get in the way. We don't really argue, but um we haven't yet. But we have disagreements, right? And and am I letting that am I letting silly things get in the way of us, our happiness? Things like that. It really makes you think. Um, and then the book. Uh, so that's but that was a journey in itself. It's a short it's a fairly short book, but it was a journey to write it. Like I don't know if you can Um, can speak to this. You have multiple books out, right? And I struggle with imposter syndrome. That was one of my big things. Like when I was writing this book, the imposter syndrome, like who am I to be writing this book? Is that something like you, you, you can relate to? Have you, have you experienced that? Or are you just guys, you just knew, you knew what the hell you were talking about. And it was like, I'm working. I'm working.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, definitely. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We knew exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> and, uh, 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 that's a great question. Uh, that, that's one thing we can always count on with you, even though we're doing, we're doing the interviewing, you always interview right back. And we actually, we appreciate that. Right. You, I, w- I want to
2: know about you guys. I want to know your journey matters to me. And like, I want to know, like, I want to hear your experience as well. It's, it's so valuable.
1: Well, I think um, we've been doing the work that we do now together for 11 years. And I don't know, I think there's a certain point after doing it for a certain amount of time, whatever that may be, you begin to feel like, you know what, we actually know what we're doing mm. and we actually know what we're talking about and that. in fact to to be really honest and vulnerable here, you have been one of the instrumental people and in reminding us of that. Hmm. We had a conversation um our it, it may have also if not a conversation you you've made written this to us you know telling us, don't be afraid to speak, don't be afraid to share what you know. don't be afraid because you guys know what you're doing hmm. you guys have I remember that and and yeah. and hold on to that because that that means the world to us to know that somebody sees in us something of value, something of, of meaning, and is willing to affirm that and and so that kind of stuff that, that kind of affirmation mm-hmm. helps take that imposter syndrome feeling away
2: I love that um,
1: and not that we'll ever. I, you know, in some ways, we also want to be humble. Mm -hmm. We also, we never want to feel as if we know it all or we've got it all figured out or because we never, we always want to be learning Mm -hmm. and always want to be growing. We always want to be, you know, trying new things and taking some risks that, you know, to, in order to grow and to be better than we've ever been before. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's important. But I, I, I think, I hope that, you know, now we're, we're writing our fourth book right now. We're, we're in the throes of that. Um, and it's kind of exciting. And we, we, and we know that we have more books to write. Yeah. That, so I don't know if this is answering your question, but yeah, certainly there have been moments, many, many moments of imposter syndrome where we wonder, is what we're doing, does it have value? Does anybody care? Mm-hmm. But um, the more we do it, the more experience we have, the more people we meet, and the more people we meet like you, and I mean this very sincerely, who remind us that, you know, you guys, you do know what you're doing. You do have something to offer, and don't be afraid to offer it. Ah, I love that. It. that uh, we love it too, <laughs> and, and that means a lot to us. So thank you. We want to thank you for that, and we want to be able to do the same thing for you mm-hmm. and, and say that you know what you're talking about. You are an expert. You know, as a co-parent, you know what you know what that's like, yeah. and to be able to share that so that other people who are doing it too, who are maybe struggling and questioning whether they're any good at it, you know, who may be hard on themselves uh, about not always being perfect, it's important. It's important for all of us to be able to encourage one another and affirm one another. And- yeah champion one another. And so we hope that we can do that today and help yeah. you help you sell your book and help you get your message out there to others who are living a life um of co-parenting just like you are.
3: Yeah.
2: I appreciate that, man. I I thanks. I, and I, and it's a good reminder for me. It's something I need to to kind of internalize, I think. yeah That like I can like one like one of the changes that we that that's happened since we last spoke is you know, just like my following on social media, like you know, we, I talked about TikTok before, and like I started my account on TikTok, and I, all I do is talk about co-parenting, right? And, and like I've grown, like my following has grown to almost like something think I'm at like nineteen point something thousand followers, right? Wow. And and I was like, and I'm just talking. It's just about co-parenting. That's all I'm talking about. And you know, I have some funny stuff on there too, but like, it's all related to parenting and co-parenting, and like. I'm like these are nineteen thousand people who decided to follow me and thought what I had to say was valuable, so I, that's gotta be worth something right um absolutely uh, so i gotta I gotta trust in that 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 people need what I've got, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, and I I'll answer your question as well. I think back to our second book for those who are just tuning in today and have not read our books. Our first two books were written kind of more in memoir form, so mm-hmm. unlike you, we uh we didn't necessarily incorporate our our principles, our listening principles in a very like practical hands-on guide like we did in our third book it was more our stories of of our lives and things we've experienced. And I remember very specifically the night before our second book went out, I was literally so sick to my stomach, Mm -hmm. panicking. I, I, I remember texting Michael that night. Like I, I don't know if I'm comfortable with this going public Mm. because there were some really sensitive things that we put in our second book, based on our stories, Um, you know, some stories about our relationships with our own dads, for example, which I know you care very deeply about. And we talked about actually on your podcast. That was another thing that I was going to mention that's been significant in your, in your life that you've done in the last couple of years. And yeah, I think it was, it was a hard, hard thing to do to, to put ourselves out in that way, to be very vulnerable and open. But I remember one of the, the confidences I had in putting it out there was like, this is my story. Everything mm. in here is 100% the truth. Yeah. So I can be confident in telling the truth because it's real and it's true. Whether people read it or not, um, that's okay. That's up, up to them and, and they can judge our stories how they are going judge to judge our stories. But I still felt it was important to tell our stories. And I think that's, a, that's kind of the heart of our mission here as someone to tell to, is, is yeah. giving people the space to tell their stories. And I'll never forget actually, it happened shortly after that second book came, came out. There was a, an older woman that we were visiting and she had read our book. She sent me a message and said, I just wanted you to know how much your, your stories meant to me. I I forget which one in particular, Mm -hmm. there was one or two of, of the chapters in the book where I wrote about, I think about my depression. And she said, I just wanted you to know that you made me feel like I'm not such an oddball after all. And that one statement meant the world to me. It was, it was worth it for that one woman to put my story out, to put our stories out there. And, uh, you know, if we all have that perspective, like if we could touch just one life mm-hmm. through what, through our own story, then it's worth it.
3: Yeah. 100%, man. I love that. I love that. So how man. about
0: this? How about you for our listeners today, explain a little bit more about co-parenting because we've talked about it a fair amount already. And, um, just, just help us all understand what the co-parenting life is, is all about.
2: So. You know, I, usually when I say co-parenting, like I just assume that people know what it means, right? But like it's, but it, co-parenting can mean different things. Um, you know, because I I found like when I had when I started my Facebook group for co-parenting fathers, people would request to join the group, and one of the questions, you know, the first question, you know, how you got to answer those questions to join Facebook groups or whatever, and the the first question is, are you a father who co-parents? And a lot of, and I would get people who say no. And I'm like, well, why are you requesting to join the group if you're not a father who co-parents? Well, you're requesting to join a co-parenting fathers group, but it was it was guys looking for people to co-parent with, like to like create a child with, whether it's you know through insemination or some other other way. They were looking, they were finding somebody that, like maybe a homosexual male finding somebody to mate with so they can co-parent. Like, and I, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm thinking like you know one track mind like co-parenting is like two people who have a child together and they're no longer in a relationship and they parent from separate homes. That's all, that's the, there's only one definition, <laughs> um, but it's, that's not true. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the, the definition that I operate under and like help people with is like co-parenting, you, you know, you have a child together and you parent, trying to parent from two separate homes and figuring out how to synchronize and do it, do it together and, and figure out the best way to raise your children. Um, You know, when they're bouncing back and forth from two separate homes or one parent has, you know, the, ki- the kid most of the time. So just trying to help people figure out how to navigate that, you know, and there's so many different levels and aspects to it. You know, some people are doing really well. Some people are having, you know, they come from relationships that they're dealing with narcissistic abuse and, you know, trauma and all kind of stuff. And, and it's really hard to co-parent with people and they're and it's stressing their lives out and really having a negative impact on their kids so i try to help people find peace in those situations as well if you can't if you feel like you can't co-parent um so yeah there's even a a chapter in my book called the message for the hopeless and people for people who feel like they you know i'm never going to be able to co-parent with somebody well well what can you do right what how can we help you at least find peace within that situation so I don't know. I love it, man. It it gives me chills, like thinking about it, like the, the people, the messages I've received and people I've been able to help. Uh, I just, I enjoy doing what I do.
1: First of all, that's great. The fact that you enjoy that, the fact that people are reaching out to you, they're asking for your opinion, your advice, your, your guidance, your experience. That's, that's pretty incredible because it, it means you're, you're touching people and you, you have something that to say to them that is meaningful and uh, so congratulate you on that that you that you are you've put something out there that is meaningful um to people in certain that in these situations thank you so can you tell us how did you come up with the name it's not about you tell tell our listeners and viewers what that name means to you and why you use that for the book
3: well I found that when I would have clients come to me for a consultation, um, one, they would always tell me like, what was bothering them about the other parent and
2: why the other parent, why was, why was the other parent's fault? And, and I found that the, a big part of the why they weren't able to co-parent effectively, or well, one of the reasons is it's usually always factored into some percentage. Of that they don't know how they're getting in their own way right and they 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 have wants and needs and desires that are their own and not necessarily the best interest of the child right so when you if you go through a divorce or like if you go through a divorce and you're and you're going through court proceedings or something like that the court is going to factor in best interest of the child right and a lot of times People are fracturing in. Parents are factoring in their best interest. Like, what schedule? What schedule works best for me? What, you know, you know, what financial situation works best for me? And they're arguing over their own interests, and and then it puts the kids in the crossfire. puts the kids in this big dispute, and they're losing sight of what's supposed to be important, which is the children. All right. So it's like you have to. It's almost like you have to remind people that look, it's not about you. Like when you, when you split, your children didn't ask to be here, right? So whatever, based on your partner that you chose, or whatever situation you couldn't figure out your relationship, whatever, that that is not that has nothing to do with the child. So your responsibility as a parent is to make this as seamless and 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 stress free as possible for your child. So you have to operate under that mindset when you're making decisions, co-parenting decisions. It's not about me. It's not about you. Just figure out, do what's best for the child, and then you two, as adults, figure the rest out.
3: Right?
2: And, um, and that's just how you got to operate. But that's really hard for people to do. Thank you for listening to the Someone to Tell It To podcast. Wonders Found Thrift Shop is proud to be one of its sponsors. Wonders Found is an all-volunteer-run thrift shop begun to support our mission team as they rebuild homes in disaster areas. We support local missions, people experiencing homelessness, veterans, and children and youth outreaches. We also provide clothing and household items to families displaced by fire or flood. You can learn more at our website, wondersfound.org, or stop in to see what wonders you can find at 7810 Allentown Boulevard, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast.
0: I want us to take a minute and just to kind of walk through some of the principles that you outline in the book mm-hmm. and then we can spend some time on each one of them individually. I mean, could you kind of walk through the 10 principles that you highlight? So let me pull it out here. So mm-hmm. I know
2: the first two, right. Is it's like, right. And, and it's more, I try to take it from a, maybe somewhat of an unconventional approach, right? Cause when you think about co-parenting, you're not, you're thinking about, okay, we're thinking about what kind of schedule we're going to have, like child support and things like that. But like, I I try to approach it from somewhat of a personal growth standpoint. So the first two principles are mainly, you know, some kind of introspective. And so Mm the principle one and two is identify where you are, right? And identify, and then establish where you want to be. So it starts like by looking in. So like I said, when people come to me and they say, well, here's what this other person's doing. Here's why they're hard to deal with. Here's what makes them so difficult. Well, have you ever asked yourself what makes it difficult to co-parent with you? All right, like have like let's start, let's start there. And then let's work our way and we can get to the other person, right? And then you have like more common things that people talk about communication, developing a schedule, best interest of the child, boundaries, compromise, respect. Um, I talk about managing fears and emotions empathy and which is my, you know, the, the last principle, the principle number 10, probably my favorite is empathy. Like being able to have empathy for the other person. Um, and I think that's, that's essential. And then I have, you know, a bonus chapter called, you know, if you, if you take it a step further, if you want to, if you're already co-parenting well, like, well, here's some things you can do to take it a step further so you don't get complacent. And, and then again, the message for the hopeless you know, if you feel like you're in a situation like this book isn't for me, right? Like, cause I don't, I don't need 10 principles because I'm not, I'm never going to be able to co-parent effectively. So here's a message for you, the people who feel like they're in a hopeless situation. Um,
1: and I, and, and like I
2: said, this is, these are foundational principles, I think. And, and the next one, I want to take it a lot deeper and a lot further based on the feedback that I get.
0: So we'll definitely do a deeper dive into some of those principles in a minute, but I remember earlier on in the book you talk about how some of the events didn't go as you would have anticipated as a father or the type of father that you wanted to be. This might take us a bit back to your childhood, but mm. what was and what is the vision that you have for being a father to your children? So the the vision
2: I had it was com- just the opposite of what I experienced. It was you know, like my dad wasn't around, right? So they were, I never saw my mom and dad together. And he wasn't a presence in my life. So I wanted the exact, I was, I wanted like the, I wanted to be married to my kid's mom. I wanted to have that nuclear home. I wanted to be there every day when my kids came home from school to tuck them in every night, you know, for bed, be there to help with homework, school projects all the time, right? So, and it looked like we were going to, that, that's how things were going to be, right? My two kids are with the same woman. We were engaged and it just like, it didn't work out. And that was devastating for me. Like, I, I say, I say, and I don't even say, I don't say it lightly, but it, to this day, that was the most difficult decision I've ever made to, to part ways with the mother of my children, because being a father was the most important thing to me. It was the biggest part of my identity, and it was the thing that I wanted to 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 do good at the most. And it dismantled my vision of what I what I you know thought the kind of the, of the father that I wanted to be. So I was like, I just remember like crying about it, and like like how can I? What am I going to do? Like I I talk about it in the book where I had like I'd have visions of another man pushing my daughter in a swing, right? Because my daughter was like two two years old at the time. And I'm like, uh, eventually she's going to be dating other people. And like, there's going to be another man around my daughter, my son. I'm like, wouldn't it like it was? It was but then, you know, I, it took some time, but I was able to shift my focus and, and, and just kind of reframe it and focus on the things that were important given the situation that I was in.
1: How did you, you, you talked about being devastated that your dream and the vision you had as a father. Um, and as you know as part of the family just wasn't it didn't it didn't come to reality the way yeah. you had envisioned it would, how did you get over that devastation? What did you do? what did you have to reframe? what did you have to think in order to kind of rise above that and come out of that in order to you know forge a new path
3: so It's almost like I had to, to,
2: it's hard. Sometimes when you, when, when stuff hits the fan, you can be taken away from your core values a little bit. It can, you're, you're, it can distort your, um, your thought process a little bit. And you're just like, when, when things are being dismantled based on a vision that you had, but I had to go back to something that I always believed was that no matter what happens in my life, um, I'm going to be okay and that I'm going to be able to like this is all just a part of the plan and I'm going to be able to make the best of it but when that happened I was not thinking that way and it was just like what am I going to do like it was like it was panic mode and I think this is important when I'm coaching people like to to identify what your values are because what I had to do for me is I just had to resort back to my values and my my core beliefs. And my core belief is no matter what happens, I'm going to be able to make the best out of a situation. I, and all and all I can focus on is what I can control, all right? Like one of my core beliefs about parenting and, and fatherhood and relationships is that I don't think people should stay together for the sake of the kids. That was one of my core beliefs. So I'm like okay, that I'm operating under my core beliefs, right? Like, um, we're not staying together for the kids. What are we but like? I was, so it was really just, you know, it's like they say, um, when, when, if you're in the military or you are a high performance athlete, a saying that I heard that I love is that when people don't, they don't, they don't just like rise to the occasion, right? when, when, Sports athletes, when things are intense and and high pressure, they don't rise to the occasion. They resort back to their training, All right? So it's it's and and it was the same for me. I had to just resort back to my values and my core beliefs, All right? I and and just remind myself of that and say, you know what, it's going to be okay. And now, what do I do? Based on I've always been somebody who's been able to like I've been dealt shitty hands, and I played the hell out of them. So what I'm gonna do is i'm gonna take the hand that I was dealt and i'm gonna play the best damn hand that I can play mm. and i'm gonna and I'm going to even though even if I only have my kids fifty percent of the time, I'm still going to be a full-time dad somehow some way I'll figure it out I'll be in their lives, I'll coach their- their sports teams, I'll show up to their practices i'll 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 still be a, a full- time dad. So, and I just knew I was going to find, I didn't know how, but I knew I would do, would find a way.
0: It reminds me of a a story I wrote in our second book, the one I had referenced earlier, and I entitled the story, play the hand you've been dealt. Hmm. And I'm not going to remember all of the different scenarios, but I kind of used a poker game as an illustration that Hmm. we, we all get dealt a hand in a poker match. And like, you can kind of bluff your way through if you don't have the right cards, but that's mm. only going to last for so long. Yeah. Eventually you have to like own your story mm. and play the hand that you've been dealt. And I was writing in that story about being at that point in time, a stay at home dad, which I was having a really hard time with because mm. I never envisioned myself being a stay at home dad. But when we launched someone to tell to you, we didn't have the resources for, for me to be employed by someone to tell to you. Right. So our wives in a lot of ways backed us to get us started. And, uh, and I had to be at home with the kids. And I remember this image that I had of a poker match of just like, is the hand, this is the hand that I've been dealt. And now I just need to play the hand. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fold. I'm not gonna, th- you know, I'm not gonna bluff my way through it. I'm not gonna fold. I'm just gonna play with the cards I have and try to make the, the most of it and trust that it's not going to be forever either. And it yeah. isn't. Yeah. But uh, I think you make just a really good point of going back to your values, your value system, in those really uh, fragile moments, those moments that have been dismantled. Your vision of what you expected your life to be, but to go yeah. back to your values, the things that you stand, you stand on, the, the things that you hold true.
3: What, what What was it for you? What was it for you
2: that to help you get over that hump to get to the point where you said, "I." I'm going to play the hand and I'm dope.
0: There's a lot of things, but I would say, and I'm going to credit the person sitting next to me here in, mm-hmm. in a chair. I mean, this is essentially how someone to tell to his birth is just out of our own friendship and our own connection, our own relationship of him reminding me that I, I do have something of value. And if it's Man. simply being a stay at home dad, that's enough. That's that's my mark on the world is to invest in my kids at that point in time. And if that was going to be my career, so to speak was to be a stay at home dad, then I, I was going to be the best stay at home dad I could be. So I I just think connection though, it always comes back to connection and having people in your corner who are cheering for you, who are rooting for you, who are going to stand with you, support you. Yeah.
2: I love that. I think that's a testament to like, Another one of my, like, beliefs is that, like, and, like, your circle matters, right? Like, the people you have in your circle matters big time. Mm-hmm. Like, if you would have had somebody in your circle that was like, man, you can't be a stay-at-home dad. Like, that's, like, that's, I mean, you got to get out there and, this is bull. Like, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, who, like, stay-at-home dad is for sissies. Like, you can't do Like If you had somebody in your ear like that, it would have, it you know, it could have drastically Change, you know, change the way you looked at that situation or how you got through it. But like having the right people in your corner, man, matters so much.
1: Well, I can attest that, that Tom is a very hands-on dad, a very faithful, very, very loyal, very, uh, very involved and And having four kids i you know he we know it's not easy with four kids uh mm. you know it's a it's a, it, he he and his wife are outnumbered and uh you know <laughs> <laughs> <and Outnumbered>. so <laughs> it's zone defense at this point That's right <laughs> and uh you know and i it, it, Tom has been very open with me about. I mean, first of all, I can say I've seen very much how how involved he is, and how, how much he wants to be, and is a very good father. But he's also been very vulnerable at times about those in those moments where he, you know, he may have been a little harsher than he is proud of, or he may have said something he wish he wouldn't have, or you know, all the kinds of things that every single father, uh, every single parent. Has done, you know. Yeah. We've all we've all had moments, <laughs> all had moments, and uh, the fact that he could be vulnerable about that and 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 tell me those those moments, and, it, and I felt that if somebody's going to be that open and vulnerable about, you know, I kind of messed up here. Or I wish I wouldn't have done this there or said that. Uh, that only makes me uh, not judge and not condemn and not criticize, but I want to, I want to affirm and, and remind him when that, no, you are a great dad mm-hmm. and that we all, that I've made these mistakes too, or I've made, I've said these things or I've felt this way, you know, in, in, in whatever, whatever kind of negative or frustrated way it may, may have been that, that, that it's normal and it's natural and it's just part of it. And that to, and I just feel that to condemn someone for not always being totally perfect is is just so defeating and mm-hmm. discouraging. And that's just to me not the right it's just not right to do that. Mm-hmm. And 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 so um, I, I just I know that being a father is difficult and frustrating at times and to, to be able to acknowledge that too and and just remind him and remind you remind mm. any dad who's who sometimes feels less than that you know we all do if we're all honest we all feel yeah. that way at times and yeah. that's it shouldn't be about condemning or judging criticizing shaming it should be about lifting up and encouraging reassuring and affirming and um that's to me what what it's all about. Hell yeah, man.
2: Being a father, a parent will make you face all of your stuff. It, <laughs> yeah. Like it will bring all of your stuff to the surface because it's like, it's the, it's the one relationship. If you care about it, right. Um, which we all do here, right. It's the one relationship you can't walk away from. Like you can't, like you, you don't get, you don't like, uh, you don't walk away from being a dad, right. It's just like, you know, and so it's like if you're in a relationship with a with another person, right, in a partnership and a romantic relationship, and it's not working out, you like you know what, I'm done with this. I just, you know what, let's just let's go our let's go our type of ways. You can't do that with your kids, <laughs> <laughs> You can't. So it's like you got to deal with all the little stuff. You got to figure it out. You have to figure it out. Like, how are we going to get through this? How are we going to communicate better? How are we going to work this out, all right? Like, and and. And I think the vulnerability is such a, a great piece. And I think that I need to, like, that helps with my kids. I see it. It helps. Like, me and my my son, my kids go to counseling just because, right? Like, I don't think they've ever been anything through anything necessarily traumatic. But I want them to have someone to talk to. I want them to expand their emotional vocabulary, right? And my son, he decided he was done with it. Right? He's like, I'm done with counseling. My daughter loves it. They're so opposite. And he's like, I'm done with counseling. We're driving to counseling one day. He's like, I don't even know why I'm doing this anyway. It doesn't doesn't, doesn't make a difference. And I'm like, all right, well, we'll talk to the counselor about that. All right, let's go. <laughs> when we get to the counselor, you can talk about, tell her how you don't want to see her anymore. You don't want to talk to her. I was like, we'll go in there together and we'll talk to her together. And And we went in there and we talked. And like, I was vulnerable and like, I cried and I expressed my feelings about you know, some of the ways that we, our communication will break down and and things like that. And I think, and at the end of it, the counselor was like, so when are we going to, is next Friday good? You know, can we, we, and my son was like, yeah, that's next Friday is good. <laughs> right. Like after, and I think it was my vulnerability that helped him see the value in it when he was just like ready to be done with it. And so, like that vulnerability is, I think, it's such a, a just a key piece, man. And the fact that you two are able to do that with each other and in your in your books, man, it just like it was one of the things that makes you special.
0: Yeah, we come back to this definition. I think it comes from Brene Brown, who just said that vulnerability is just showing up and letting ourselves be seen. Mm-hmm. I love Brene Brown, and we'd rather, yeah. as she says. Be our authentic selves, than spend our lives kind of running from our authentic selves. We'd rather just be real. Mm -hmm. You've talked a lot about communication now, and it was certainly one of the principles that you highlighted in the book. And Michael and I have worked with a lot of couples over the years and a lot of relationships. We just find, as you've already mentioned, that values are the things that you stand on for sure, and those need to be in alignment if you're going to have a healthy relationship. But then also how you communicate those values is also essential and vulnerability is certainly one of the strongest pieces to communication. What are some other things in regards to communication that you've learned in your healthiest of relationships that you have in your life? Um,
3: That I think one of the the first thing that comes to mind
2: is that it doesn't, it doesn't always get to happen on my terms. and that it's an it's an ever evolving process, like I have to if I want to communicate effectively with somebody, whether it's my wife or my kids or or anybody, people that I care about, I have to be intentional about understanding who they are um and and what and how they receive love, how they receive you know like like i can't I can't say the same and I've talked to my wife about this. Um I can't give the same message to my to my wife in the same way that I would give it to my best friend that I grew up with, my boy that I went to high school with, played football with, was in the army with. Right. Like I can't he if he's doing something stupid, I'm like, dude, what are you doing, dude? That's stupid. Like stop being a dumbass. Right? <laughs> like I can't say I can't say that to my wife in the same like I can't give that message to my wife that way. Right? Like, because it's not gonna be received well. And um it's like I have to know somebody's is it communication is almost more about the other person sometimes and being intentional about like not doing it my way, right? Like, how are you going to, as I say, it's like communicating with somebody is like preparing a meal. It's like, and a, you know, when you get food, right, it's, it's raw, right. But, and, and it's not edible, but once I start preparing it the way you like it, seasoning it the way you like it, it becomes more palatable, it becomes more edible. So you may like your steak medium and, you know, time likes this, you know, he you, you likes to stay well done or rare, right? Like for one, it's edible and for the other, it's not. Right? So I have to prepare it in such a way that's going to be received by you. And uh, and I think that's one of the biggest things I learned about communication. Um,
3: and that it, I can, based
2: on the way I deliver it, I can, I can create or destroy a relationship. All right, so even with my son, like I talk about, I was t- talking to some high school kids about this recently, that I could be the problem. Like, even though I'm thinking like I'm doing something the right way, I may be the problem in the way I'm communicating something based on who the other person is. So like i go to my son every morning, like we, for school, I'd wake him up. I'd be like, hey man, it was the same routine. Hey man, time to get up. Let's get ready for school. And he's like, Yeah. My daughter, she gets right up. That's just she. I don't know. She just gets right up, gets ready. I think she, cause she likes school. Saying I'd get up early to wake my son up because I knew it was a thirty minute process. All right, and I'm like, all right, man, time to get up. I'd go get ready. You know, maybe make some coffee, start getting dressed, come back up. Hey, man, time to you know, get up, ready for school. He put more covers on. All
3: right,
2: uh, <laughs> I go down, I go get dressed, come back. Hey, man, let's go. Oh, come on, man, let's go. Let's uh, school. Go, come back. I mean, by the fourth time, I'm like, hey, man, get up. I'm snatching the covers off. I'm like, you know, all right, man, let's go. I told you four or five times already, it's time to get up. And I do the same. And it would be like that all the time. right? And I was like, well, how, all right, well, how can I do this differently? Um, and then I started going in my son's room and I'd climb in bed with him and I'd, start, and I'd rub his back and I'd say, hey, man, time to get up. How'd you sleep? How you feeling this morning? Like what's going? On? And we talk a little. He cuddle with me. He's a so his love language is our physical touch and words of affirmation. So I'm going like, Hey man, how you doing, man? I love you, brother. I you, you know, good morning. And like he's cuddling with me and he's talking to me and telling me how he slept. Did you dream about anything? You know, tell me about your dream. And I take about five minutes. And he was getting. Then he, I'm like, Hey man, time. Right, it's time to get up for school. And he get up and get ready for school. It take five minutes out of my morning. Right where to before it was a thirty minute process of me doing the same thing over and over and getting the same result. Like if, if I could, just because I communicated that, that wake up a little bit differently by speaking his love language that matters, you know? So that, that was, a, was an that, awesome
1: that, story. That is a great story uh, because and that
2: was
0: a roundabout way of saying like, learn yeah. people's love languages. But, um, but yeah. no, it's just, that is such an important message. Like I'm think just, I'm going to have to sit on that one for a little while but you're exactly right it's a, it's more communication is more about the person receiving what mm-hmm. you're communicating than it is about you and what you're communicating.
1: Yeah. That that's an extremely insightful understanding is a thing. Um and and also what you do a lot of people don't. Uh, a lot of people continue to do <laughs> the same thing snatching the covers, you know, you know all those kinds of things and and don't often explore or realize what it is that can actually take this struggle away and what, what someone may need to, um, to do that.
0: It's knowing your audience yeah. of who you're communicating that, to.
1: That is, that's beautiful. I mean, one of the principles that, and one of the values that we have in, in the work that we do with someone to tell it to is, is noticing people noticing and what you did you noticed what worked for your son or what didn't work for your son maybe that's what you noticed first and then we're able to begin to notice what did what would and then you enacted that you followed through with what would and it worked um i just i so so often sadly so many of us don't get to that place uh we 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 don't realize we don't notice what someone needs and what they don't need um so congratulations to you for that 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 is that really is a fantastic story thank you i I
2: this is nothing like this is not a knock on anybody or any gender but i think i think people look for, look to men to lead in general like to, to lead in their homes and like to lead like just in general like women can be can be leaders just as much as men right like I think a man has a unique ability to set the tone in his home in his work environment like I think that that men just have the ability to do that if they if they are true leaders right like I can set the tone in my home and in my relationship if my like if and like if you think about like even in even in my relationship with my wife right like I can set the tone in that relationship i can if i'm if I'm loving like my like my wife, I feel like she's looking to me sometimes to see what kind of tone this is going to have. The day is going to have. Right. Like if I'm very loving and nurturing, she's going to reciprocate that. Like she's just waiting for it for me, to, for me to be that way so she can give it back to me because it's like maybe like sometimes she doesn't know how lovey-dovey I want to be or like what kind of mood I'm in. Like she's always in a lovey mood. Like if 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 like. If she's in a loving mood and I'm not, maybe she feels like she's going to be too overwhelming for me or like, you know, and so like people are waiting for men to decide and set the tone. And so I can set the tone in my home, right? So like it can be, it can be an authoritative, like this can be a dictatorship or this can be a collaboration and a team and a unit where we all listen to each other. We all respect each other's feelings. I get final say, but this is a, this is a collaboration. We're a team. Right? And I'm going and, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna to listen to you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to speak your language. I'm going to allow you to have feelings. And um, you know, I just, that's just something that I firmly believe.
0: Unfortunately, we're, our time's probably winding down here, but I, I definitely want to ask you this question, and it actually comes back to a quote from your book. I mean, use this statement, and I think it's so powerful. I believe that one of the greatest gifts you can give to yourself and your children is the ability to learn how to create peace from within even in the face of chaos. So what have you learned about creating peace from within? I've learned that. And that's actually,
2: it's funny because me and me and my wife came up with that together. Um,
3: and um, what I've learned is that like we talked about earlier, if I'm, if I'm stick to my core beliefs and my principles and my values, <laughs> that.
2: Some things are not within my control. that when the storm comes, if I've been able to create peace from within, that when the storm comes, I'll be able to withstand it. like I, my foundation will be strong.
3: and and that one of the most important qualities and one one of the most important things I can be as a father, as a partner, is calm. and that like when 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 shit is hitting the fan like my kids my the people around me that look to me to lead, they need me to be calm because if I'm
2: not especially if I'm normally calm if I'm not calm people are like people are gonna worry Because mm-hmm. right. like I said I have the I have the ability to set the tone and like if I can be calm then I even if like It's like you know, like they say, like was it like a duck or whatever? Like I'm on a on the top, you're cool, but underneath you're like, right? But like, if I can do that, I can provide, I can, I can provide that peace for other people. Like this is this is what we do. We're responsible. You two are responsible for um, a staff and you know the people that you lead and listen to. And if things were chaotic and, the, and you showed that to everybody, and you were like, "Oh, it's burning! Everything's on fire," <laughs> like, like, then then people are people are doing jobs trying to put out fires that are not their responsibility, right? And it deters them from the mission. Right. So, like, I need my son to be. I can't never tell my son. I'm never going to sit my son down and be like, "Look, I'm behind on the bills." All right. So. I need you to start eliminate saying you, know, you need to start help helping out around here right <laughs> like my, that's not his responsibility right so i gotta I gotta and and so and the peace from within, if I have that peace from within, I know I'm confident in myself, I know I can make things happen, I know I'm gonna get through it, and I know I'm gonna find a way, and it get, allows me to do that with a clear mind so so I don't catastrophize and and do anything crazy right so if I don't have that peace from within, things are things can get bad pretty quickly, and I can allow other people to sway me, right? Like i uh, whichever way the wind blows, it
3: can blow me whichever way, because I'm not secure. But that can't
2: happen when I have my peace from within. I can't be, I'm not going to be wavered by the outside world. Nobody can tell me who I am, and nobody can tell me what I need to do if it doesn't sit well with me.
0: It's a great way to end.
1: I do have one more question. Okay. Just, just a quick, just a, not quick one. You've, you've, you've hit on it a little bit, but I want to talk, we just want to ask you about one of your 10 principles uh, in your book. Uh, and it's one that means so much to us because we use this word all the time. We talk about this principle all the time. We hope we live this all the time, or at least most of the time, uh, but it's empathy. Can you just tell us what you mean by empathy? What does empathy mean to you?
3: Like obviously, you know, you have the book definition, right? Like being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. But it's but to add to that, it's it's the ability to to not judge them
2: because their experience is way different than yours, or that they may do something in a way that is. You may seem you, that in your eyes is weird or not normal or not the right way. The way people operate is and the way they function the way, and the, the way they make decisions is based on their life experiences, how they interpreted those experiences, and how they've manifested based on their level of growth. So to have empathy for somebody in that situation is to understand like, that anything that happens even like this was specifically like with like with my father the way I was able to heal from that and to to rekindle that relationship was by understanding that his experience as a father and the way he handled and conducted himself as a father it was not about me it was about him and his experience with his father and his lack of uh of an example and you know, the environment that he grew up in, which was very chaotic.
3: And if I can empathize with that, then I can I can no longer internalize that how it made
2: me feel. And that it wasn't understand that it wasn't about me. And now I can become an ally and a partner in his journey to growth and healing.
3: And and understand that I'm not gonna judge him for that. It doesn't absolve him of accountability, but that's it. That's, that's for him to figure out. Right. And, but it's not, it's not my job. Right. It's, so I'm going to love him
2: and I'm going to under, and I'm going to be understanding.
1: Thank you, Anthony. We uh, really are so grateful that we could have this conversation with you today. Uh, We learn from you and we appreciate that so much we want people to buy your book. So if you can uh, tell them where they can get, it's not about you. Uh, that would be wonderful. Please tell, tell our audience.
2: So, I mean, you can find it on your major retailers. Like it's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble books, a million. Um, the full title is it's not about you. 10 principles for a strong co-parenting foundation. So you and your children can thrive. And, uh, so yeah, i I I prefer that people get in on Amazon so I can like so they can leave a verified review and say that it's amazing. <laughs> What's matter? <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, but that's what you can find. It. If you're looking to um look at some of my content, like I'm 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 at, I'm on t- that's my biggest space, TikTok. I'm the co-parenting coach on TikTok. And uh yeah, I'm just gonna keep keep on this journey, man. I feel like it's part of my purpose. So I'm I'm gonna keep traveling down this road.
1: thank you you. thank you thank you thank you so much
2: thank you i'm glad i'm glad we were able to have this conversation i appreciate you two gentlemen always um asking really good questions and sharing your stories like you're having a big impact on the world
0: well as we mentioned in our introduction today's conversation took us to places we didn't expect to go there were several moments where he Anthony would turn the tables and ask us questions. As Michael mentioned in our introduction, he just has a way of doing that, but it's quite natural. And we love to be asked questions because as we say often, one of the goals of listening in our view is to know and be known. We want to be known ourselves and we want to know others. And so being around somebody like Anthony, he wants to know us. And so he asks us, deep questions about life and our experiences. And so we went to some really deep places today. Mm
1: -hmm. And one of the things that we love about Anthony is that he is so affirming that he, he's quick to remind us that we have, we have gifts and we have knowledge and we have expertise and experience that sometimes in, 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 in all of our lives, we, we probably all question: Are we good enough? Are we? Have we done enough? Do we know enough? And that—that I that think—that's a common for most people, a common human, common human feelings and questions. But Anthony is is one who just is 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 so good about uh, reminding us that you know, we are good enough, and we do have things to offer, we do have voices that need to be heard, and we, we just long for everybody to have people in their lives uh, like him who are willing to do that and to lean in not to, not to just the, the flawed parts of, of, of our lives, but the, the gifted and good parts, the, the, val- the, the especially valuable parts of our lives, and to remind us that, that those parts are real. And they're real, too. So we want to thank you for joining with us today. Uh, we're, we're grateful that you're here. If you like these podcasts, certainly encourage you to go to patreon.org. And that's a, that's a way in which you can specifically help us to, to keep these podcasts going and to, to continue to make them better and to reach out to more to more people to have great conversations with. And um, we appreciate everyone who is already doing that. And we appreciate everyone who is considering it and who will. So we just um, are grateful that you could join us today. Until we listen again.